This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello, you are very welcome to this bonus episode of Fascinated. This is an episode for subscribers to Headstuff Plus, and if you are listening, please make sure that you support Fascinated as part of your Headstuff Plus subscription. My guest for this episode is TV producer Shane Bourne. Shane has worked on some of the biggest entertainment shows in the world, including The X Factor, Strictly, Big Brother, and Britain's Got Talent, to name but a very small few. He has just finished producing the series Eating with the Enemy in Ireland, but I contacted Shane to talk about a series very close to the heart of this show, The Big Reunion. The Big Reunion ran for two seasons and reunited some of the biggest groups from the 90s and put them back together to perform their biggest hits at a concert in London. If you listen to the show and you haven't seen it, well, you are in for a treat. Shane was one of two producers on the show who worked with the groups as they reformed, rehearsed and recaptured our hearts. This is Shane Byrne. Um, You've just said there before we started, uh, which I was so surprised by, that the big reunion was actually eight years ago. I know it's fascinating to think that it's that long ago. Yeah, it was. I got the call for the big reunion when I was working on a, a talent show called Got to Dance, which used to be on Sky One. It was kind of a dance show. And I remember I got the call from ITV to come in and have a chat about a new show they were doing, a new music show, they said at the time. And um, yeah, that was in the summer of 2012. And then we, I went in, had a chat, and then we were out filming it literally in the autumn of 2012 and it's eight years ago bizarrely nearly nine what's important for context here is we have to establish that you were a pop fan oh yeah i am the person who used to buy smash it's magazine i am the person that had my every inch of my room uh, covered in posters i would be watching top of the pops the chart show then in the 90s i would be watching kind of everything on saturday morning you know all of that stuff and um yeah i grew up with all of these bands and then when you end up working with them it is fascinating scary and you know ultimately fulfilling I loved it did you did you ever even entertain for a minute that you might not get the job like that must have been a terrifying moment when you realized what was put in front of you I went in for the chat and as I say it was just a music show and I didn't know anything else apart from that so I didn't really have much to prep for the interview and I went into the ITV building and I had a chat with the boss and then he was telling me what the concept of the show was and of course I was trying not to make my face light up because it was perfect for me Um, and then he started telling me some of the bands that may be involved and interestingly enough before I worked in television I used to work in a record company I used to work for Sony and one of the acts that I kind of looked after I used to work in PR and what that means is when an act comes to Ireland that is signed to Sony you look after them the whole time they're here whether they're here to do a late late show TV appearance or press and one of those bands was 911 um, or sorry ah. one of those bands was A1 I beg your pardon and um, yeah they were kind of one of the bands that were mentioned and then as it happened they turned out to be in the second series but uh, yeah it was kind of a perfect job for me. I remember the first time I saw a teaser for the big reunion and I kind of felt, oh my God, finally, they finally made the show. Like, because I feel like they tried to make it so many times. Like there, there were a few shows that sort of did that. There was the one where they all got, I don't know if you remember, I was trying to remember what it was called, but it was, they would also give them a facelift. Oh, okay. There's been a few of those shows. It was like Reborn in the USA, then, you know, Hit Me Baby One More Time. You know, yes. there was loads of those shows, you know, uh, 
pop star to opera star, whatever it was, you know, like they tried to do this many times, but this show was the first time that they were really going to tell the stories, you know, and, you know, make it a documentary that would follow these people getting back together, having a reunion and then gravitating towards a big show night performance, which is what we did. So in the first season, you had five, there was the Honeys. Nine more one. yes. Liberty X. Liberty X, Atomic Kitten. Atomic Kitten, I forgot Atomic yeah. Kitten. The Honeys, and then the last act to join were Blue. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what was the criteria for picking those acts? Like, what, was there a certain number of albums? No, it was kind of like the acts were chosen before I joined the series. So what the, like what ITV had done was they had spoken to a lot of people and, you know, there were people that, you know, for whatever reason, didn't want to do it. And then they'd settled on those acts. Originally it was the six acts and then Blue decided that they would do it. So they just, they made sure that they came in as a late addition. And then in the second series, obviously some of the acts that had considered the first series, watched the first series and then would actually know that will work. Then they signed up for the second series. But um, but the criteria was quite simple. It was just pop stars who everybody remembers and wonders where they are now. And that was it. And what was it like for you as a fan? Put yourself in the position of first day of filming and all of a sudden you have to go to Eternals or Bernie's house. That would blow my mind. Well, I like to think I'd be able to do it, but I do think I'd probably fall apart. That was the most interesting thing about it, you know, because essentially I knew all of the bands. I knew all of the people in the bands. I knew all of their music. And the show production was kind of broken down into three parts, really, where for the first number of months, you spent your time going around to their houses and filming in each of their homes and, you know, getting a snapshot of their life, whether that's their job or their friends or whatever. And then the second phase would be the rehearsal phase where they, to kick that off, we would have their personal band reunion where the group would get back together and sort out all their old issues and all of that kind of stuff. Then we would work towards rehearsing them. That also included kind of recording studio where they would be redoing backing tracks and working through stuff like that. And then the third part was obviously the live show, both rehearsals for that and then the show itself. But yeah, it was fascinating to go around to people's houses and you they all had a common kind of thread where you would be in work mode going, okay, it's cool. I'm going around to film with Abs or I'm going around to film with Michelle Heaton or Kerry Katona. And then you would go into their house and obviously they'd open the door and it'd be Abs and you'd go, hello. And you know, you'd come in, you'd be unpacking your equipment with your crew. And then you would very quickly look around and start to see a Smash Hits award on the mantelpiece. And oh, that was something, wow. you know, like, <laughs> and you would notice that in all of their houses, you know, they would always proudly have gold discs in the hall or in the bathroom, uh, you know, a variety of awards, a Brit Award, a Smash Hits Award, a Paul Winners, whatever the case may be, just scattered around the houses, you know. And, um, wow. and then you'd be really thinking, like, I am actually in Abs's house and this is what it looks like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do remember one time uh, when I went to Carol Decker's house from Tapau, she has in her bathroom, I think, yeah, I think it was the bathroom, it's the center of Music Week, and she's number one in the album charts, the singles charts, and the dance charts. I thought that's that's a really impressive thing to see when you're having a wee. Like that really is. <laughs> she's putting her stake in the ground right there. Yeah, no, it's fascinating, and like. 
I remember what a Smash Hits award looks like. You know what I mean? I remember yeah. what a Top of the Pops award looks like. And then you're seeing it in the flesh. And like, I'm not ashamed to say it, it had the same effect on me as looking at an Oscar. You know what I mean? You're oh, kind of yes, totally. Well, okay, this is pretty cool. And, um, and they all had that. You know, like most of them did wear their history on their mantelpiece. You know what I mean? And it was all there to see. And then, as you say, like you'd ask to use the bathroom and it would be adorned with gold and silver discs. And that was always very fun. <laughs> But everyone was always very welcoming and, you know, in many ways, a little suspicious at first, you know, because I would imagine it's when you're remembered for being number one for a load of like weeks or whatever, and you're seen as kind of this untouchable pop star, and then essentially you're bringing a camera crew into your home, you know, they were always a little cautious at first, but then we would get to a good place and then we were all friends and it was fine. That, that's actually an interesting point to make because the drama in all of their stories, the drama is usually the bit that killed it off and nobody wants to be responsible for that. And yet you're going back in to tell the story. So in a way you're kind of, they kind of see you as the muckraker. You're, you're picking the scab a bit. Yeah. That must've been difficult. Well, it was difficult because they were always looking for clues, you know, cause initially, um, so initially we would film with them separately, you know, so take a group like, you know, Bewitched. You know, we filmed with all four girls separately in their home, in their life. You know, there would be, you know, they would each tell their own version of the story to that point. And bear in mind at this point in the production, they hadn't met yet. They hadn't had a reunion. So you would be going to each of their houses and they would always be kind of like, you know, what did Adele say? You know, what did Kiwi say? Did she, how did, how did Lindsay answer that question? What about Sinead? And obviously you could never tell them anything because that would spoil stuff so they knew that you kind of held all the cards and um, so that was kind of a bit unusual but once they did meet and once they had their reunion which I have to say those reunions even though on tv you're looking at 10 minutes most of those were like four hours long because we would oh, wow. we would set up the cameras whether it be in a restaurant or one of their homes and you know we would film each of the band members arriving and then there would be a moment where the complete band would be sat around a table or on sofas and we knew that it would take a while to get into into this, the conversation. So we would just let the cameras roll. And a lot of the time you'd be letting the cameras roll for three hours, because that's how long it took. And then there would be a moment where you'd have a breather, then you'd go in for another bit for another hour, and then you do all your wrap up interviews. So that process, like it was very cathartic for them, but as, a, as somebody who had kind of seen them all separately and then seen it all come together, it was very interesting for me. Some of the bands that you mentioned, like you mentioned Bewitched there, they hadn't met up, they, you know, and, and, and it had been very fractious, hadn't it? I mean, they, yeah. they'd really split and Eternal as well. They, they, there were bands that just literally went their separate ways and were never, not that they were never heard of again, but they'd never almost acknowledged each other in press anymore. Yeah. It was just literally, of, it was dead. There were a few of those bands where you knew that what, the, what you were seeing was the real deal. You know, there are some bands like Liberty X where who have remained friends, you know what I mean? And they may not have seen each other for a while, but when they got together, they were still friends, you know, and there wasn't, okay. they didn't have a massive fallout. But with Eternal and with Bewitched, there was very clear uh, reasons why they split. And, and in both of those cases, they hadn't spoken to each other. Like obviously certain members had, because there's two sisters at each of those groups. You know, but, you know, they hadn't spoken to the other people. And when we did film the reunions, you were 
for real watching their reactions happen and also watching them talk about things that they haven't spoken about in a long time and it was you know there were tears you know in a lot of cases and you know as I say it took a long time and it was very emotional. And how did you obviously have to be professional in the whole situation but how do you make the decision because there's obviously there obviously becomes a time where you're like this is telly gold but you're also kind of saying, oh, but I don't want to do it to them. You know, that must be a hard choice to make. Well, I always come from a point of view of that you're there to tell the truth. You know what I mean? So nobody was ever manipulated into stuff. Like they all signed up to the show. Uh, the first series perhaps was a little more experimental because no one had anything to compare it with. You know, all of the acts in the second series knew exactly the drill. They knew what was going to happen. They knew the format of the show. But the first series, they didn't. So we were doing everything for the first time. And yes, there were situations where you knew sparks were going to fly, but you would let that happen because that's the essence of a documentary. And then it was always fine. You know, like there was never anything where somebody needed to step in. You know what I mean? It was, um, you know, emotions were fraught and, you know, a lot of people were bringing up things that they had a lot of strong feelings about. And, you know, that all happened. But I suppose like telly gold wise, like when people are arguing or talking about the big thing, like you're sitting there going like, wow, this is amazing, both for me personally yeah. and also tell it because, you know, the viewers are going to really hear this and love it. And yeah, so that was always very enjoyable. My favourite band through all the series was, was Eternal. They were just, God, I loved them when I was a kid. And uh, there was the moment, the, uh, and are, are you settled? <laughs> are you settled without Louise? Uh, and Esther said we're three albums settled but without Louise and I just thought that is the greatest moment of television like I don't I, <laughs> I don't know I, I don't like it was just I thought it was an absolutely I thought it was perfect like were you there for that moment? I'm pretty sure I was you know Amazing. like Bernie I worked like the way it worked on the big reunion there were two main producers and we each took a certain amount of bands each and Eternal were one of my bands so I spent a lot of I spent most and all of their filming really but um but Bernie in particular like Bernie is a strong woman and she mm. is very protective of the Eternal legacy and you know she was very clear about explaining that there was an Eternal after Louise you know what I mean and it didn't yeah for me Eternal was Eternal without Louise. I thought Eternal with Louise was great. I thought the first album, if you go back, I think the singles had to stand up and not much else does. So I was very much on extra side. I was like, go, go. Also, they've been through it. You know, like it just... Yeah. Kind of, they had a, a big journey as a band, starting with a four, ending with two. You know, uh, also... I always felt, you know, that Eternal never got the kudos they deserved because nobody no. really spoke about Eternal much after Eternal before the big reunion. And they they had such amazing songs, you know. Um, and I feel that in many ways they were kind of chewed up and spat out by the industry. And, you know, even though clearly they did well from it, for example, Vernie has a beautiful home. Uh, so, you know, they clearly have been smart with the money that they did earn. At the same time, you know, there's a legacy there that I think could be a little appreciated a little bit more. And I also think they feel that. Yeah, 100%. And I really hope they, like, I really hope they get their shot at that. I mean, it's, that's the one thing um, that the second series, the, the, they, the girls didn't get to go on tour. Which and was, that was the same. It was such a shame because they were uh, they were the ones that I really did want to see. But just to go back to season one, it must have come. Did it come as a surprise, or were you clued in from the start about how successful the first season became? 
because it was massive. It was very big. And I think it was a surprise to everybody. You know, we like we went into the series and as much as I was saying for me personally, it was a thoroughly enjoyable production to work on. I think when we got to the point where we were filming the rehearsals, then I think we all knew we had seen, we were looking at something special because the defining moments for me were turning up to their houses and seeing Smash Hits Awards. Then the second thing would be filming in the corner of a rehearsal studio while Liberty X whip out the canes and start doing the routine that you've oh, watched. Wow. <laughs> when you're in the room watching that, you know, you're just thinking like, oh, wow, this is like the real deal. And um, so then around rehearsal time and then when we started to see, because uh, they rehearsed separately, obviously, and then when we worked towards the old, the show running order, they would start to, we would run the show a few times. And it was like when you were watching the rehearsals for the full show where everyone would do their full performance performances it was just hit after hit after hit and knowing all of the stories that we had then filmed at that point you knew that you were coming up with a great series you know and literally the whole cast together I remember they did a group photograph at uh, rehearsals which we all like there was a main photographer there taking it but we were all in the wings also taking it on our own phones and like that photograph which I still have like you recognize every face in it and you just want a cast you know yeah it was incredible the series ended after season two. Yeah. Was there ever any talk of a third season? Yeah, there was. When we were in the middle of doing series two, there was talk of a third series. Um, I remember, which I'm not sure how true this is, but I remember conversations were being had, S Club were mentioned, people like oh, that. Really? So there was definitely a talk of a third series because they were kind of into a groove. And in many ways, it wasn't just a TV show. It was a TV show that became a show, that became a tour, that became an on-the-road uh, documentary. Yeah, th- that's that right, yeah. Special, that became a second series that became a tour but then the sad thing is I think unfortunately halfway through the second series the ratings weren't as great as the first series and the ticket sales weren't as great for the second show which obviously set it kind of the willies up the industry where they just started to think oh my god you know I don't think this has got the momentum that it did have and then there wasn't a third series so that answers that and do I mean I'm just trying to find a nice way to ask her are there any more names <laughs> for the third series was there yeah did you do any was there any kind of there, were, like, there are plenty of bands that have since and I think this is because the big reunion has kind of come into the DNA of pop culture now like it's just it's in there and sometimes you will see people on Twitter say well we were we were in talks to do season three and there's a part of me that I was thinking were you though were you <laughs> I wasn't involved with any of the talks so I can't really tell you but what I do know is you know with series three like S Club were mentioned I also know they were planning on doing a solo series of acts that were solo hits. So it wouldn't be a reunion because they can't really get a reunion with themselves. So they were thinking of doing a version where solo acts, you would, it's same kind of format where you would get to know their story and then they would all gravitate together to put on like a show. So we filmed, I went to Italy and filmed for a day with Wigfield, Saturday Night Wigfield as a pilot and the other producer went on a cruise ship with Yaz um, to do a, a day with her and then we came back with our tapes that was put into a pilot for consideration and the series was never made but that would have been something that would have been very special yeah that would have been brilliant yeah. such a great idea yeah. why do you have any thoughts as to why the 80s is this revered hugely exploited time in music 
Do you have any idea of why the 90s ha- is, it, it, with the exception of the big reunion, is more or less untapped? I don't know. I think, like, I, I have a feeling that sometimes the 90s is looked upon as an embarrassing decade. You know what I mean? Like, I okay. think, and I think it's to do with possibly bubblegum pop the fashion you know like I don't know what it is but the 80s seem to even though you look back at the 80s can be equally as kind of embarrassing but there's something about the 90s where I think there was just so many pop acts at the time where you really were in the conveyor belt days of you know Britney Spears is a hit get 20 other female solo singers out there with a single you know like the boy bands are it let's get all the boy bands so it's just when you look back there were so many acts and they were tended to be styled in a very similar way so you know you can totally tell a 90s boy band or a 90s girl band and you know unless they were the the a-list which is essentially what ended up on the big reunion as in the people that had multiple hits and that weren't one hit wonders you know I just think yeah it's a shame though I'd love to tap into it (laughs) it's interesting because like the 80s had a the 80s was synth it was Duran Duran, Spandau Ballet, the Human League. It's interesting, depending on who you talk to, the 90s means something different. Because yeah. it was like dance, and it was pop, and it was Britpop. And it was almost like that those were, rather than there being one category of music, there, there were three different avenues. And whatever avenue you, you, made, you went into, you had to make sure you were really clear about what avenue you were in. Yeah, no, very much um, so. And then as the, like the 90s kind of got a bit later, then R&B came into it. And it was very yeah. much like pop R&B. And that's, that would be another category. And that kind of w- went on into the noughties. But yeah, it's a very defined era. But having said that, like, there's a lot of love for it. You know, like on yeah. these shows, when we, at every step of filming, and particularly at the rehearsals, there were so many, like there were actual fans outside, like all day, you know, waiting to yeah. get a with people who would be leaving after the rehearsals are done and these would have been fans that would have probably been there in 1995 you know with their schoolmates yeah. and you know like just something a bit tragic about that but I know time, you know were... and there is a part of me that says why would I say it's a bit tragic if I knew Eternal were around the corner <laughs> I'd probably walk by a few times with the dog <laughs> Yeah, well, I suppose for us, though, like we were turning up to work. So like, you know, the crew would be turning up to work and we filmed the rehearsals in the Sadler's Wells Theatre in London. And, you know, you'd be just walking from the tube and you'd be just seeing the same girl in a T-shirt, you know what I mean? Standing outside the venue. And we also filmed that in January. So it was freezing, you know, and they would be there all day. And, you know, various acts would come out for a cigarette or just for a break. And they would just be, you know, like they're, we're now in the world of phones and whatnot. So basically they would just be posing for photographs constantly with, uh, you know, diehard fans. Wow. Which well, they all enjoyed, I might add. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it must be very strange. Like, especially for somebody like Mariana from The Honeys, who was a midwife, to all of a sudden, you know, all, the, all these years later, this very brief period in her life, because I think she was only in the band for about a year and a half, to just be thrown back into it. it it's very, it must be very interesting to be on the other well, end of that. Because we would have filmed with them in their day jobs, you know, so the, our introduction to each one of these people would have been filming the day in your life segment, where it would be kind of, this is my house, this is my family, this is where I work, you know, this is what I do. And, you know, it, some of those were people that are still some ways working in the industry, like Michelle Heaton, people like that. And then there were other people who were doing something completely different, like, um, like various members of the Honeys, you know, S. 
sister from Eternal, you know, worked in a spa, you know what I mean? Where she was very proud of that and that is her job and she's very good at it. But at the same time, you are kind of thinking like, wow, this is like, you know, a totally different world. And then stepping into rehearsals and obviously on the first day of rehearsals, you know, everyone's kind of going like, you know, I don't know if I can do this. I'm going to look ridiculous. You know what I mean? I haven't done these dance moves for ages. Half an hour later, they all remember the dance moves and they're all loving it. So, you know. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thanks very much for sharing with us. Like, it was just fantastic. I I genuinely don't think I would have done this podcast without that series because yeah. it was just like but also after the series you know a lot of them popped up in different places like I worked on Celebrity yeah. Big Brother and on Celebrity Big Brother we had like five of the cast turn up on various different Celebrity Big Brother series so quite a few of them had a little life afterwards and kind of did yeah money and you know did what they could and I, I know nobody's touring at the moment but those 90s kind of pop reunion shows you know I saw like Jessica from Liberty X posted something on Instagram the other day where quite a few of the bands that from the big reunion are kind of getting back together for a headliner so it's nice to see them doing it they all want another reunion by the way because I'm in contact with most of them and they all very fondly look back on the big reunion and want kind of a big reunion reunion yeah I mean that's a TV no-brainer as far as I can see, it's just like, yeah, totally. Put them all back on the road once we have our injection. That was Shane Byrne. He is absolutely brilliant and such a lovely guy. It's always great to talk to Shane about pop music because he always has a great perspective on it. I think that what he says about Eternal, it's very true. They went through so much and they really are due a proper comeback. Also, the legacy of Eternal is always in the shadow of these stories of infighting and rumours about them being difficult. And yet, they are one of the most important stories of 90s pop music. I think if we take a second look at Eternal with a 2021 lens, it becomes very interesting. The member who was labelled the most difficult just so happened to also be an almost qualified lawyer who scrutinised the contracts and also happened to be a black woman in an industry run by white men. And somehow has been labelled the most difficult. Yeah, I'd imagine she was. I'd imagine she really kept them on their toes and well done her. I think it's going to be really interesting to finally hear the other side of this story and I really hope we get to hear it soon. Eternal forever! (laughs) Thanks so much to Shane Byrne and he will be back in future episodes and I cannot wait. Thank you for listening. There will be a new episode of Fascinated on the first Monday of each month. So that is the 4th of April. I'll be releasing an episode that I recorded with Luciana Caparasso. She has had so many pop lives and what a story she has. It's a good one. Don't miss it. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.